0: Time in the word and our time of fellowship this morning. Lord, I thank you for this time
1: that we have come together to gather at your feet. Mm-hmm. I thank you for your
2: servant Rob that he is going to be bringing the word. I ask you, Lord God, to um, continue to uplift him. Holy Spirit, lift yes, up his Lord. arms and give him the voice that he needs, Lord God. Holy Spirit, you're the one that talks through him and speaks through him. So yes, give him words of wisdom. Thank you, Father, that we are here. Give us stamina. Let us be able to stand and listen, sit and listen, move and listen to what you have to say through your servant. I thank you, Father, for this time. I thank you for the worship time. I thank you for the time we have here, for those that are listening online and maybe later on for the podcast, Lord God, that this will be a, a morsel of food, Lord God, that they will be able to chew on and they will be able to chew on and marinate in and let it resonate with their soul, Lord God, as we walk through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. amen. amen.
0: Let's come and adore
2: Him.
1: The
3: atmosphere is changed. Nothing stays the same. Yes, Lord. Heaven is waiting for the mention of the name. Thank <laughs> you.
0: Jesus. back to the Father through you. Oh, how I pray, God, that we wouldn't take that for granted, Father, or treat your blood common. But, God, that we would truly know you, Father, as holy, holy, holy. And that you've called us out, Father, to be your people, to be holy, set apart, for your purpose, for your design. You've created good works for us to do. And so, Father, it is our prayer, Lord Jesus, that we would, Father, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, that we would be fruitful, effective laborers in the harvest. Father, for we know that you're returning. So may we be attentive today to the leading of the Holy Spirit as your word is being read. And may we apply it to our lives, God, that we would go forth this week advancing your kingdom. And we thank you for this, Lord, and that you would receive all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Application, sustained effort, hard work. To apply, to give one's full attention to a task, to work hard. The degree in which we study Memorize and meditate on God's Word, and I shared this last week, it's just a reminder. Is a degree to which we understand how it applies in our lives. Mm. But understanding how the Word applies is not enough, we must apply it. Application implies action, and obedient action is the final step in causing God's Word to come to life in our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our study, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. As I was praying yesterday, I was prompted to pray for us that we would be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. And we cannot be the people of God doing the will of God for his glory if we're not applying truth. We hear the word. We we hear the the words of worship being sung over us. We hear the preacher preach. We hear our Christian friends edifying, build us up. But the reality is, are we just hearing? Has it really impacted our lives to the point that we rec- have recognized that we, in and of ourselves, apart from Christ, were enemies of God. But God, (laughs) in His loving kindness, in His tender mercy, (laughs) He's slow to anger. He so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The truth, that yet though we are at war, that we are enemies of God, the Bible informs us that he loves us, yet though we are still in rebellion towards him. And it's because of his love. It is because of his love that he's made a way for us to be reconciled back to him through his son Jesus. Like Romans 5 one says, if you're in Christ, now therefore you are at peace with God. You're not fighting against him anymore. But now you are at peace with God through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. When we think about the condition of our lives before Christ, there is no sinful lifestyle that's greater than the other. It's sin. We're all born into rebellion. So we ought not to be shocked at sinners. We were once, if you were in Christ, a part of that life. But now, in Christ, as we've been hearing over and over and over and over, you are born again of a new nature. And I love what the Word encourages us, that how do you know you're applying God's Word? What comes from the fruit of application is obedience you begin to obey. You begin to obey the one who has called you out for his own. And I've so enjoyed the past couple of days, just, you know, especially yesterday, just praying and then just seeking the Lord and just being so broken for the loss, remembering what it was like to have no hope, to not have that assurance, that I'm at peace with God and not because of anything that I've done, but because of Jesus, because of Jesus, how do you go about your life? How do you go about day to day? How did you get up this morning applying the truth that you're at peace with God? Because of Christ, not because of your religious works, but because of Christ, does it rule and reign in your heart? And in your mind, so when the trying times come, how are you standing? The mind, as we know, is the battlefield. Yes Jesus. And we have got to be diligent what the Word of God calls us to do, to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of His lordship, to, to drag those thoughts out into the light to connect with others who will encourage you, who will edify and build you up, instead of allowing them just to process. There's work to be done, sustained work, hard work, each and every single day. And the reality is not in and of ourselves, but it's in the dependence on the Holy Spirit. You know, the devil will lie to you. I was thinking the other day when I was sitting there and I was just praying and men. Three there's this worship, just instrumental worship for three hours of just intense soaking. And it was so beautiful yesterday. But my heart began to break for those. They're lost, but they think they're saved. I said, God, there has to be hope for them. Like I was thinking about, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day. Like he looked at them and he told them, you are the children of the devil. And they're running the church. We have people today and we will continue to have until he returns. People who hold a form of religion but deny the power of God. Deny the power of God to transform their lives. Again, Jesus' words. You must be born again. Born again of the Spirit. You're not entering the kingdom of God unless you are born again of the Spirit of God. We just need to let that sit there for a second because there's so many people lost in this world, bound by the sin of religion, religious works, religious duty, and they have a zeal and a passion for Jesus. They just don't love him. They haven't been born again. And I say, God help us. God help us to understand the urgency of the hour and the day in which we are living. And you've heard me say over the past years, we can't keep doing it like the way we've been doing it. Like it's a whole new world. (laughs) We have to apply the truth to our lives that our lives are then transformed because of the new nature in which we're living. Do we think about that? We talked a few years ago about the do you do you give thought to your soul and to the value of your soul? Like how are we living And again, there's no greater sinful lifestyle than the other. We're all born into sin. But once we come to Christ, once we are born again, our identity is not where we were. It's in Christ. And this is how you're growing. This is the application of God's word to your life, that you have a foundation of who he is and who you are in him. What has he done for you? And how are you sharing? Are you broken for the loss? Do you pray for the lost as you're in your offices, as you're going about in the community as people being brought to your heart and to your mind? How are you living among them or before them? Are you just uh, you know backpedaling? Are you just being too sensitive around them? Are you just treating them with kid gloves? No the reality is they need the gospel. What they oft, ultimately need to see is something different in you. You may talk about Jesus, you may share Scripture, you may do a post, you may do whatever, but if your life isn't transformed, you're making a mockery of Jesus, of Jesus. Like, you don't have to say, around me, this is how you have to act. No, they will see just a change in you that they would be like, oh. And they'll be quick to say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't. Oh, I'm, oh. Like, people shouldn't be comfortable running amok around you. They can feel comfortable running amok around everyone else. But in front of you. They should know that there's there's a difference. And in my prayer time yesterday, Jesus, I just sat there all day. And I was not in this praying, just being prayed over and over. And this woman gets on and she begins to pray, and she be, she begins to say, you know, asking for discernment of the people that are in her life that have been sent to distract her. Mm-hmm. Sin, that, that are there rather their are family members rather it's her ch- the ch- people in the church rather it's this person or that church but just discernment on who the enemy has sent in and who the Holy Spirit has brought in mm. I said God we need a level of discernment and then, as we just read about the application of God's word that brings discernment that you're able to determine between good and evil between good and evil There's a way in which you are called to live, you all. And it's applying the truth of God's word so that you are an effective laborer out in the harvest fields. I meditate this morning on the scripture when Jesus says, if you deny me, I'll deny you. I said, God, do we really understand that? Has that really, has that really settled in your heart? He says, if you're willing to deny me, Now, I will deny you. I said, wow. Think about that. And how we live our lives. To be born again, you're of a new nature. (laughs) Of a new nature. You're now learning how to move in it, (laughs) how how to grow and mature. Like you're allowing the old just to, to pass away. The word for this year is application. Sustained work. Hard work. I want to encourage us <laughs> over the next months. We'll be at the end soon. <coughs> just like last year, we had a whole year talking about community. But how has your desire for community grow? How did it grow? How at my prayer today for the upcoming years that we would be a people that would seek him and to seek him diligently. The word of God encourages us that if we seek him, we will find him, if we seek him with our whole heart. Not a divided heart. Not a heart that, oh, it's convenient for me, God. No, but do you realize when you come to Christ, when Jesus is revealed to you? You've considered the cost. You've surrendered all. Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you need to add. Whatever you need to take away. My life is not my own. I will trust in you. I will live for you. For the glory of God. I will serve you. You are my master. My life is no longer my own. Like There's a way in which I'm called to live. You know they're not our enemies people that are lost so we aren't we shouldn't turn up our nose to them uh, we shouldn't think we're better than them and <laughs> no, that's the whole point no we go to them to tell them that there is hope that there is hope and his name is jesus his name is jesus We don't have to fight with them. We don't have to yell at them. We don't have to carry on with them, but that's the reality. And we can love them enough as much as God loves them to turn them over to what they want. If that is how you choose to go, that is your choice. And as I was praying and and making notes yesterday just for my own personal life, I was like, God, I just don't want to keep holding on to people or to relationships that God really aren't producing anything. I'm not producing anything. It's a lot of energy being exerted. And there's nothing coming back. And sometimes we are the person that's in the way of God reaching the individual. Because we coddle them. We coddle them. We try to make it easy for them. Instead of the reality is that, no, I love you enough to say enough. I need to step back from this. I need to step back from you. And I need to trust God with you. And God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I don't want my hands on their life. God, bring them down to the pit if you have to. But help me not to reach back for them. God, they are yours. They are yours. So we've got to start entrusting people with God. Not with you and your knowledge of God. But with God. And sometimes that's the hardest to do. But sometimes you have to let the spiritual dead bury themselves. You just got to move on. (laughs) Jesus says, Come and follow me. Come and follow me. That that means remove all distractions. That means be close to your teacher. Walk as the students do, (laughs) with the rabbis close. I want to be close. I want to be close. I want to be the disciple laying upon his chest. (laughs) I want to hear every word. I want to know you, God, because in and of myself, I know what I would do, but God, I'm not who I am anymore. Like the, the reality of being born again of the spirit, Well, I was standing out back and I was just praying yesterday. I was feeling the wind all around. I was looking all around. I was like, God, this is a spiritful life, a spirit-filled life. We're not to live on this level of this plane where we mix it up with the temporal. But this is spiritual. God, you designed this. You created this. You know us intimately. And you know how evil we are in and of ourselves. We are at war with your kingdom, with your throne. And yet, and yet you are so pleased to reveal yourself. Like what does that do for you when you get up in the mornings? When you go throughout your day God, the holy God of the universe, who who spoke and the earth was formed, who throughout generations has revealed himself over, and that's why I'm falling in love, I I I have fallen in love with the book of Chronicles. We've talked last week about the introduction to the book of Chronicles. This was written, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but since I'm on this trail, I'll go down it. These people were returning back from captivity. Back into their land, into their home. The temple was destroyed and the palace was destroyed. And yet, Ezra, who they think wrote this book, we really don't know who wrote the book, but he begins, whoever it was, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to begin to remind them of their God and of their identity as God's people. Yet though, everything around them was screaming, no, you have no place to worship. You have no king. You have no this. You have no that. You're a broken people. But these are the people that were called to continue the work of God in their generation. They had to be reminded we have to be reminded of, of who he is and who we are every single day. Stop putting your hands towards things you ought not to be doing. Stop watching things you ought not to be watching. Stop giving yourself and going places that you know you ought not to be going. Well, uh, well that's what kind of life is that? Oh, it's a life set apart then for the glory of God. And it's not because, oh, you have to. No, because you just, when you're born of this new nature, it doesn't feel right any longer. Yeah. But keep playing. Yeah. Keep trying to fit the square in the circle. <laughs> no. It just doesn't feel right any longer. It may feel good in that moment, but while you're there, you're like, oh. Like, I know, I know I shouldn't be speaking that way. I shouldn't think that way. I shouldn't be going that way. Mm -hmm. Like, if no one else around you wants to serve God, serve God anyways. Step out. I said, God, I didn't design this. You did. Like you came and found me, <laughs> I didn't find you. Like we have to apply truth, you all, so that we would be a people of God, doing the will of God, for the glory of God. As so, the Lord teach me to love, teach me to learn, and teach me to lead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Like I don't know how you're praying. I don't know what has got you so distracted. If you are, maybe you're not, and praise God. But if you find yourself living a life that's distracted and lacking in applying truth, this is the hour, this is the season to wake up, <laughs> to wake up. You see, God always gives all of us an opportunity To return. Sometimes he has to take us through captivity to get us back to our purpose. More times than I like to read, and more times than I see within my own life, I say, Oh God, he loves us enough because then when we finally stand before him, listen, what excuse are we going to have? We chose to remain in rebellion towards him instead of living in obedience to him. And that's why Jesus says, Jesus says why do you call me your Lord, Lord and don't do what I say? I mean, this is the reality, you all. This is the wake-up call. This is, this is where we have to allow our roots to grow down deep. And like when we worship this morning, and, and we allow those words to come forth from our lips and those words are being sung over us and we're moved, but it just can't be an emotional response. Yeah. Do you believe it? Are you living it? Are you, or is it really, are you experiencing it? Because if not, then oh, how you should be humbling yourself. And just being real with God. God, you know my heart. And I'm having trouble, God, drawing close to you. God, I'm having trouble loving you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my body, with all of my strength. God, help me. And you know the beauty of that prayer is that that's nothing you design. It's what he led you to pray. You, said that, you see, the word of God says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's constantly drawing his people back. But listen, the hour is growing shorter and shorter and shorter. And I know we all like to think everyone's going to heaven. <laughs> but that's not the reality.
3: That's not the reality. Do you love
0: him? Are you seeking Him? Are you applying the truth and are you seeing growth and obedience? Again, it's not growing in, oh, I have, I have this memorized, I could do this, I could pray like this, I go this, I do this, yada, yada. No, it's not about that, but your character. <laughs> are, are you maturing? What would others around you mm say about your walk with God. Again, it's not about being perfect. So don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Oh, I'm a bad Christian. I can't ever do anything right. Because you see, that's just a lie of the enemy and that's you. Because you just saying that is is really testifying to the fact that you don't know Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. Because if you knew Jesus, you wouldn't be sitting there wallowing around. Now the reality is, is like, no, I am not good enough. I will always fail Him if I'm doing it my own strength. But when I'm In him, when I'm allowing to walk in the Spirit, as the Word of God says, that if you walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. When I allow his kingdom to be that which I seek first, seek first the kingdom, and then everything else will be added. I don't know what I'm doing, God. But your word tells me you give me the desire and you give me the power to do it. There's so much hope filled in these scriptures to encourage you, to edify you, to build you up, so that then when we're around and we're with each other, it's like iron sharpening iron. And we've got good news to tell others, we've got good news to share. Because we've considered the cost. We're not clinging to this world any longer. You understand how crazier it's getting. And it's only getting going to get crazier. But the church, she should be prepared. For the hour and the day in which she is in. To be the people of God. To respond, to serve, to to go out and cast the net and bring them in. <laughs> There's work for us to do, and we ought to be excited. Being Christian's not a humdrum life. It's not a oh, okay. Oh, so burden. No, like it's so. It's, it's exciting. Like good God, everything's coming to pass. And you've entrusted us. to go out and to announce your kingdom, to announce your coming, to see the captives set free, to give hope and sight to the blind, (laughs) to see God's fullness and his power displayed so that at the end we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Enter in, go to John (coughs) chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. These are scriptures you're going to hear over and over this year (laughs) to encourage you to apply application, God's truth. John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. And the Word of God declares, But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. These are Jesus' words. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must, underline that, highlight that, circle that, must worship in spirit and in truth. How did you prepare your heart coming in today? How have you prepared your heart each and every single day to know your God? To worship Him in spirit and truth. To grow in that understanding. How are you applying that? What what does that speak to you? How is your life measured up to the truth in which was just read? Again, not to hold you down, bad Christian, bad Christian, look at you, you're horrible, you can't do anything right. No, no. But the reality is, is when you feel the conviction, don't turn. That's the time to press in. That's the time to say, no, you're you're revealing this to me to allow me to understand that I need this. And I can't have it in and of myself. So Holy Spirit, teach me. You are my teacher. You're my comforter. You're my guide. I can't tell you how many times I prayed that throughout the days. Like, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, you've been given to me. I am a child of God. Forgive me for not listening. But here you have my ear. Walk with me. Talk with me.
1: Teach me.
0: You must. It's not when you feel like it. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. Go to First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. And you shall imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. If you're looking for verse one, yeah. it's at the end of chapter ten.
2: Okay, <laughs> I was like, something's
0: wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that happened to me crazy. when I was. In my, I was like, wait a minute, it starts at two. That's
2: funny.
0: <laughs> one is at the end of ten, yeah. and you should imitate me, just as I is Paul telling the church and he's not he's not boasting of himself he's not he's not being proud and arrogant no the reality is he knows he has been born again he's living it out and if you need an example he says well then imitate me just as I imitate who Christ I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. And that you are following, that you are applying the teachings that you've been given. Remember when he writes of the church in Galatians? He says, oh, you foolish Galatians, who (coughs) has bewitched you? You're following a gospel that's not even the gospel in which the first you, you first started following. I mean, did you hear that? Who has bewitched you? Why now have you turned from God? If you're not applying, do you realize, I don't know if you, I don't know if you give thought to things, but God, I pray that you, your spiritual eyes would be open. And your ears, your spiritual ears, ears will be open that you would begin to discern and go, wait a minute. Like, I can't tell you throughout my walk with Christ how many seasons that's happened. And I'm like, oh, wow. That you get so turned around and, and so lost and you're, everything. Do you understand the war that is against your very soul? I do understand what you take in every single day from the moment you wake up to the thoughts that you're having, (laughs) challenging your identity, challenging your truth and what you know who God is and who Jesus is, desires that flare up. You get up out of bed, you you turn on the news, you turn on the television, you turn on the radio, you turn on something. You can even turn on a Christian podcast and you can be listening to false doctrine. (laughs) You understand what's waging against your soul. You go throughout the day, people cut in front of you, people are selfish, people want this, they want that. And then all of a sudden you begin to act just like them. You're not getting in front of me. I know. That that's an insight. <laughs> Carrie had an issue in McDonald's drive-thru the other day. But praise God. I yes. repented. Yes. yes. Oh, but think this about that. She's not the only one, but that's the first thing that came to my yeah, fine. <laughs> we react. Like there's so much going on around us day in and day out. Amongst our family, amongst our friends, people, attitudes, the, the way people speak, the way you respond, the things that are just going on in the realm in which we cannot see. And then somehow we just, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, stop it! When you know you're not. This is the reality. And you say, well, how am I not a Christian? If it's consistent. Mm. And it's the lifestyle in which you live. And you don't respond when the Holy Spirit convicts you and leads you to repentance. Instead of responding in repentance, you grow harder and harder and harder and harder. And then somehow you still slap Jesus on your life and say, I'm okay. And the reality is, really, are you okay? That's why application is vital. That's why you are living it out. It is hard work. It is sustained effort. But not in and of yourself, but on the dependence on the Holy Spirit. And then people will say, oh, you preach a gospel of perfectionism. No, no one's telling you to be perfect. But what the Word of God tells us is be holy Mm -hmm. as He's holy. Stop giving yourself the right to keep living hardened towards God who has been pleased to reveal Himself to you. The reality is you've got so much clamoring around you that if you're not being still and knowing that He is God, if you're not applying truth, how are you warring back? How are you getting up and and feeling the conviction as soon as Carrie felt the conviction, what she did? She was quick to repent in her car and go, oh God, that was not right of me. This is how you know you're growing and you're maturing and you're marked for God. It's the level of repentance that comes to your life. A Christian is not going to be sinless, but when they do sin... They repent. Sin isn't mastering a Christian. But no, you all, there's a way in which we need to live that honors God, that loves God, that trusts in God. Like you've considered the cost, you've laid your life down. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ living in and through me. So I'm not making excuses for my mind, for my heart, attitudes. No, I'm humbling submitting myself to God and applying his truth. I wake up every day you better prepare for what's ahead. Because you don't know what's coming. But what you can know is the one who holds you. That's right. That no matter what comes, you're still God. That's right. You're still God. You have me. You will see me through. You're not man that you should lie. But oh, you can rejoice even in the midst of your sufferings. Mm -hmm. That we can give thanks. And I love the fact, I don't know if, sometimes when we hear that and we say give thanks. Mm -hmm. In all situations, Mm -hmm. for everything. (laughs) Well, if you're in the midst of pure hell attacking your life, how can you give thanks for it? So don't twist scripture. Scripture doesn't tell you to give thanks for; Mm -hmm. it tells you a little word: give thanks in Mm -hmm. every situation and circumstance. Not for every situation. Thank you for bringing me the bath. No, no, no. (laughs) Give thanks while you're in it, because it's time to grow. It's time to be able to look at others who you should be discipling, who you should be able to look at and say, listen, I'm here for you, but imitate me as you see me imitate Christ. Take the teachings in which I'm sharing with you. I want to see you apply them. And if people aren't serious in applying it, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Because the time is growing short. And the word of God is alive and active. And the return of the Lord is coming, and we ought to be excited. Come on, brother. We ought to be equipped to be effective laborers in the harvest. And you ought to be giving fault daily to the kingdom of God. And if you're not, something is wrong. But don't go beating yourself up. Get before Him and say, God, I don't have that desire. But God, your word says I'm to have it. And that's not anything that I can create in me. I don't want to hold a false sense of security.
3: <laughs> oh God,
0: break my heart for what breaks yours. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago praying, God, just help me to love them as you love them. Because in and of myself, I won't. But God, you love them. No matter how bad they cheated me, no matter what they said or what has been done, God, you love them doesn't mean I remain a victim. It doesn't mean I keep going around and around and around again with them. No, the reality is, again, to build up the understanding as you're applying God's truth to discern between good and evil. But ultimately, to be able to say, God, if you were able to, Jesus, if you were able to be on that cross and look out and say, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. Who am I? to think I'm above you, not to love others. You see, there's a way to respond in the truth that you're hearing instead of running from it. Instead of putting up your hand and saying, that's not for me. No, there's a way to respond and allow the Word of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to humble you. Because you need to be humbled. Mm -hmm. So that you can get to a place where you're applying God's truth. God's truth, the reality of maturing and growing. The last scripture I'm going to give you on to encourage you in application is 2 Peter.
1: 2
0: Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Uh, this is one of my favorites. By His, whose? His divine power. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life or for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to Him. The one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious things. Promises. These are not promises that enable, I'm sorry, these are the promises that enable you to share ah, his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now listen, you all, do you hear that? And think how you lived this week, this morning, as you go out this week ahead of you do you understand that? If it, take this scripture and put it in front of you. Write it on a note card. Put it on the notes in your phone. Do something to keep it in front of you. And ask the Holy Spirit to enable you to understand the truth of it so that you can live it. Do you understand what the Word of God just said? By His divine power, not your religious works, not your so-called love for God that produces no obedience, but the reality is, it's his divine power. God has given everything we need to live a godly life. Unless you keep making, giving yourself excuses to keep acting ugly. To keep remaining in rebellion towards him. Like, wow, you get, I'm without excuse. I'm without excuse. Like, you've given me everything I need to live a godly life? I don't know about you. But don't you have a list of excuses of why you did what you did this week? You ought not to. Get rid of them. Start cleaning house. Start saying, oh no, wait a minute, I'm not running around in deception any longer. I'm not running around creating something that's not real. I don't want a false, I don't want a false salvation. I'm a child of God. And I ought to have the confidence in who he is. To know who he is. And if he says it, then I believe it. Yes. So I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to start laying bare before the Lord. And saying, have all of me. Do what you need, Lord. Because I just want to serve you. mean, he goes on. We have received and so how how did you how have you received all of this? <laughs> you have received all of this by coming to know him. <laughs> the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. So the next time The enemy comes to flaunt something in front of you. The next time that the world system throws something at you and says, look at this. The next time that old nature, that flesh wants to flare up a desire, you better not go sell your birthright. Because what on earth does this realm... Does this realm or this realm have to offer you that's more of a treasure than his promises? So you gotta start learning how to fight back. You need to start pushing back and say, no, wait a minute. No, no, I see this. I I can distinguish between good and evil, and this is evil. You think I'm going to trade the promises that God has given me for a moment of this or that or this or that. And it's uncomfortable. (laughs) And it ought to be. Because you begin to squash it down you begin to say, oh no. (laughs) And you should be able to distinguish where it's coming from, here, here, or here. And sometimes it's all three. It's all hell at you, thrown at you. But you ought to be able to begin to distinguish what's warring against your soul Mm -hmm. so that you know how to push back. And after you've done all you know to do, as Ephesians says, then then just stand Mm -hmm. and stand there for them. There's a way in which we're called to live, you all. (laughs) These are promises, listen to this, that enable you to share in His divine nature. Don't miss out on that this week as you're going. Like, do you read the Bible? (laughs) Do you study the Bible? Do you meditate upon the Bible? Do you apply the truth? You have inherited. His divine nature. Think about that. And what does that mean for you? How are you to live now? And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. No, I'm not better than them. My eyes have just been open, And I'm not settling for that anymore. I've given myself to it. You've given yourself to it. No matter what it is, but when you come to Christ and you're born again of a new nature, huh? of the Spirit, mm-hmm. it's a Spirit walk now. Your eyes have been opened. Your ears have been opened. It's a whole. You have His divine nature. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever give thought to that? Do you ever just let that weight just kind of sit with it and go, (sighs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially when you know you've been ugly? That's why, again, when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you hear the preaching of the Word of God, don't turn and run and play the weird game. Get real and say, oh, God. Because at any moment... (laughs) The breath can be out of your body And you are in his presence Either hearing Well done my good and faithful servant Or depart from me As I said earlier Jesus says If you deny me I'll deny you And you say Well I don't deny Jesus Okay well you had an opportunity this week To open up your mouth to make the right choices instead of going along with them, <laughs> like you understand the weight of the of the Word of God, like from the beginning to the end, He hasn't changed. He, he tells His people, like this is this is who I am, and this is who you are, and, and this is how you live now. <laughs> I don't deny Him. I'm not gonna. I don't want to deny Him. I don't want to deny him. And that's something in and of myself I can't achieve. So that's why I have to surrender. And that's why you have to surrender each day to his lordship. You have to remind, that's why I've always told you, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Yeah. Not just when I said a little prayer. No, 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 every day. <laughs> Because this is kingdom-minded. You're you're to be kingdom-minded. You're to be kingdom-living. And and do you understand what the Word of God says about His kingdom? Do you understand that what you've been engrafted in, you're now a part, if you're a Christian, you're now a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That everything fall around me. That hundreds of men come after me. That whatever take place, I'm part of a kingdom. That cannot be shaken. Let the earth shake and let the financial systems collapse. My God will provide. Do you understand
1: the encouragement
0: in which you should be living and how you should be living and how you should be talking? And getting to a place that you know your God and a level of confidence that you can walk in and begin just to live. You're not perfect. But oh, there ought to be a difference. <laughs> there ought to be a difference. And like I said earlier, you better understand this, this, and this. Every day of your life, it is at, coming at you with full force. Yes. And we just want to play, you know, church. Kumbaya, let's just all sing Kumbaya. Look at all this is. No, no, no. This is, see, when your eyes are open like this, you go, oh, wow, wait a minute. Huh. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. And there's an aching and there's a gnawing within you that says, come out from among them. You belong to me. And there's a way in which we're called to live. This, this week's term, the theological term for this week, and oh, I promise you, I, I wish I could just be with each of you all week just to see how you're doing this. I really do pray that you're taking the notes and that you're meditating, you're sitting down, you're, you're joining, rather it's in person or on Zoom on Wednesday nights, like, or you're just connecting one-on-one, whatever, but that you're learning, you're like, what does this mean, what is this? I remember years ago when we first, God brought us to, to open up the house. Uh, the church was birthed here. <coughs> in the first video I showed you all, those that were here, you'll remember, it was a scene from the movie of Moses. And Moses was so elated that God was finally going to reveal himself and speak to the people. And when he spoke, they withdrew. they were like, no, Moses, you speak to God and then you speak to us. And Moses was like, no, no. Like he wants to speak to you. And that's been my heart's passion is to give you the word of God. Yes, it's good to hear preaching, but do you treasure the word? Do you understand what it means to apply, to sit down, to meditate, to read, to to get into it? It is who you are now. This is your identity now. This is how you're to be living now. And again, it's not, oh, I'll live that way when I get to heaven. No, no, no. You live it now. You're born again now of the nature. You have his divine nature now. So I pray that you're taking this and you're sitting down and you're just saying, how does this impact me? Listen to this word. I love this word. Reconciliation. And here's the definition of it. Reconciliation is the restoration of the relationship between God and man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It includes a change in man's attitude toward God. Man is brought from being at enmity with God to friendship with God. God's righteous anger is turned aside by the cross of Jesus thereby removing the offense of sin and making it possible for God to bring man into fellowship with him once more. See, that's God's heart. And people don't see God that way because we're not sharing it that way. Like it's God's heart to see people delivered set free, reconciled back to Him through Jesus Christ. And I've said over these past months, hoping to encourage you, hoping that the seed will be planted in, that man, when you can get up each day, let's have forgiven. I stood there yesterday, I was just like, God. I never want to not treasure that God. Like, the shame has been washed away. The guilt has been washed away. The, just everything. I'm just cleansed because of you, Jesus. Like, do you understand? Do you understand? Like, I don't know about you, but do you, do you feel it? Do you know it to be true? That like, God, you love me so much. You didn't have to. You could have just slapped me die. You could have just let me wander. You could have just left me alone. But, oh, God. Again takes us back to that the visual I, I shared with you last year of Isaiah when we were reading through Isaiah and he's standing in the presence of God. It's like, Oh God I'm doomed. Like do you understand that apart from Christ you're doomed. You're doomed. But because of all that he's done for you. When Isaiah was cleansed, Isaiah was then able to respond, here I am Lord, send me. Send me. Do you understand what it's like to be in a room of broken people who are lost, confused, hurting? To be able then to see that there's something different in you? How can you walk upright? How can you get through the day? I've been cleansed. My shame and my guilt doesn't define me. Thank you doesn't define me any longer. And sometimes, too many times, too many Christians are allowing the shame and the guilt and everything to keep defining them. But when you realize, if it's true, if it's not true, come to Christ. Repent. Turn to Christ. Receive Christ. (laughs) But to really understand, you've been reconciled to God. a holy God and not for anything of yourself but all because of him
4: I let that weight just
0: kind of sit on you this week and just kind of be like wow and treasure it when's the last time you treasured it when's the last time you really understood it and if you don't understand it again don't go beating yourself up but the reality is sit with the Holy Spirit and just be like oh Like with the reality, am I saved, Lord? And if I'm not God, you're revealing it to me for me then to call upon the name of the Lord and to be saved. To be able to have a a belief and a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he rose from the dead. And how is that to impact my life? I want to know, God. I want to know. You're not hiding anything from me. So I want to begin to pursue you, God. And get up and enjoy your Christian life. Don't try to arrive where that person's at or that person. No, get up and enjoy it. <laughs> Pursue Him with an intensity to, to, to say, God, all of me. All of me. And whatever that means, all of me God. Mm-hmm. Scriptures that summarize what God must do for a sinner. To make him or her a Christian. Again, more scriptures I give you in hopes that you understand what God has done. Not what you have done, but what God has done. Go to John 3. Hopes to encourage you to see that God has done it all for you. Because of his great love for you. John 3, verses 5 through 8. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans Humans can produce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to, listen, there's that word again, spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. What God, these scriptures that I'm sharing is what God must do in order for a sinner to be able to become a Christian. He must be born again of the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that, that draws you it's the Holy Spirit that you receive when you receive Christ. It's God in you. It's not an it. <coughs> it's God in you. And that's why the Holy, that's why the Bible says, don't live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. Do yeah. you understand? No' You're to honor God. Jesus says, "I have to go away so that He will come. He will be your teacher, your counselor, your guide. Your life now is dependent upon him, not you. Oh God, And that's why it that's why always fascinates me, because I, I was stuck there before too. I was stuck there before too. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to go to church. I've I got to read. I've I got to spend an hour and a half in prayer. I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I got to do this and I've got to do this. and it's exhausting. And I shared with you this, this testimony. I was in that season of my life just being religious.
1: <laughs> and
0: then my mom and I went to the beach, and you know, I said, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship, I'm just going to seclude myself. Look, listen to what all I was going to do. And I fasted, and I prayed. I secluded myself. I worshipped for days. Finally, I went to the bathroom to get into the shower. I'm just like, God, what's going on? And finally, when I was able to push me out of the way, I felt the Lord speak to my heart. Why have you become this? Why have you made it all about this? Why don't you just love me like you did when you got off the floor in that condo? Just love me. And all of that will just come natural to you because it becomes who you are. And I remember coming out and... Lunch was prepared, and Mama looked at me, and she says, (laughs) You heard from your father. She saw a change in my countenance. It liberates you. It frees you. And the rest of the time there was so beautiful. Because I wasn't trying so hard. Listen, it has to be spirit-led. Not Rob-led, you-led, but spirit-led. And don't go be pretending to have something you don't have. Stop trying to, to be here when you know you're not there. Start here. And saying, God, here I am. Because in and of ourselves, we wouldn't have searched this out. No, God is pleased. That's how you know. God is pleased to reveal himself to you. God is pleased to to draw you closer to him. God is pleased for you to repent and to turn from it. He's not angry. So you don't have to wrestle, God, I'm so bad. No, you just go, God. But you don't stay. (laughs) As hard as it may be. begin to move forward and that which was here its grip on you begins to loosen and this newness comes forth in life and you say well I'm truly living it doesn't matter what happens to me it doesn't matter what goes on like I'm secure And I'm secure in His hands. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Another scripture. That allows us to to see what God has done in order to make us Christians. Ephesians 2 verse 4 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. But God. Who? Who? God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much (laughs) that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead it is only by God's grace that you have been saved oh man (laughs) go to Philippians 1 the last one, last verse to encourage you Philippians 1, verse 29. For you have been given not only the privilege, ah, hear this, of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. Remember, this world is not your home. And as His, Return is drawing nearer and nearer. We, as believers, are going to be pushed out further and further and further. Listen, all that shouldn't be a surprise to us. And we shouldn't have to react and get crazy. But the reality is, this is is the reality. So how then now shall you live as you're preparing for the return of the Lord? With your character intact walking humbly before your God and available to serve those around you. Because we're about his kingdom. We're about his purpose. We want to be available for him in the hour in which we are placed here to do his will for his glory. The Heidelberg Catechism, yet another tool we're on Lord's Day number four, Lord's Day forty, and we're working through. We've been working through the Ten Commandments. We're on the sixth commandment, and so what is God's will for you? Whew, this is good. And the sixth commandment. Here's the answer. I am not to belittle, hate, insult, or kill my neighbor, not by my thoughts my words, my look or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds. I am not to be party to this in others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. Prevention of murder is also why government is armed with a sword.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And there's many scriptures there for you. The next question Does this commandment refer only to murder? Here's your answer. By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, which is envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness, and God's sight. All such are disguised forms of murder. The last question. Is it enough then that we do not murder our neighbor in any such way? No. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be patient, peace loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly toward them, to protect them from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. His kingdom is upside down, it's opposite day, (laughs) every day. I mean, it really is. You're not living the way that the world and what you've been trained in, in that old nature. Do you understand? As much effort as you put into that old nature that you were born into, it formed you, you grew in it, you opened yourself up to everything, you ran after everything that was flared up within you. So you must put the new nature of the Spirit and to, and to sit, what As much effort as you put into that, you put into this now. It's a whole new way of living. I'm not my own. You're not your own. We're to be kingdom-minded. This is the standard, not because man says, but because God has said. We're going to walk through Scripture, walking through the Word. We opened up the book of 1 Chronicles last week. I just want to give you some reminders from about this book. What's the purpose? I told you, from at least from the research I've done, First and Second Chronicles are are, is, are the books that Christians are not interested in, <laughs> though we ought to be interested in it. But it's a long list of genealogy. It also kind of summarizes First um, Kings and Samuel. Everything's repetitive. But now that you understand why the Holy Spirit inspired the book to read, written, hopefully it'll encourage you to read it and to get in there and to understand it. Again, these people have been brought out of captivity and now they're placed back in their land without the temple, without the palace. Everything is in an uproar and yet they're being told, you're God's people, but nothing around them shows that they are. Nothing around them and nothing within them. So they're being reminded of this rich history. This is who you are. Build off of this. And as it is with us. It's just not their rich history. It's our rich history. And it gives us hopes That when, we, when God takes us through captivity. Mm-hmm. To get us to what, where he has us. And the need for us to be. See we can't grow and mature if we're not going through. That's why the Bible says trials must come so it can produce within us, perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and that hope is in Jesus. I heard a sermon, you've heard me say this many years, but this stuck with me many years ago. I heard a pastor say, you want hope in Jesus? (laughs) Then ask for a trial. (laughs) Because you can't get to hope unless you start with a trial that then leads to perseverance, that then leads you to build character like Christ, in order to understand the hope that you're to have in him. And then I love also what the word of God says. And years ago, I spent time with y'all and I said to you, I think what's lacking in the church is perseverance. Trials come and we collapse (laughs) because we don't know who he is and we don't know who we are. So what then do we do? We collapse. And when we collapse, usually we turn back. But no, you got to push in. You got to push in. Again, you have this realm, you have this realm, and you have this, warring for your soul. But that's why you take the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And I have died to this world, and my desires for it is no more, and its desire for me is no more. This is scripture. This is this is how you're talking. This is how you're living. But to be able to, to get up and to live with the understanding that you are god's person we are god's people we have to be reminded of his goodness throughout the ages that's why the old testament is so vital to your christian life even though there's many churches nowadays that says do away with it Mm -hmm. i said jesus no you need it it's the rich history you said but we're not of israel no but we're the people of god And the promises that were made then is the promises that we have now. Because when he said to Abraham, you're going to have multiple descendants. He wasn't just talking about the Israelites. Mm -hmm. He was talking about the world. So we have to wake up and understand. So anyway, so I hope that you will go through this book and you will allow it to just enrich your lives. So the purpose is to direct the obedience. And there's that word again that we've heard throughout today. Of God's people as they returned from captivity in Babylon, the writer—and I love this—I shared this with you last week. The writer pieced together the most important thing his audience needed to hear. Do you remember what that was? You are God's chosen people, and as as and <clears throat> and as the readers who had recently returned from captivity in Babylon accepted this responsibility, as we should of being the continuation of the people of God, they could then read and understand the following history in First Chronicles 10 through the end of Second Chronicle as their history, their story, a preamble to the new beginning of covenant faithfulness. Do you understand why when you talk this way and how, how we should be sharing this with the generation that's coming up, They lack knowledge of God because we're not talking about God. We're not talking about His goodness and His greatness and His love. We're not talking about all that He has accomplished. And when we do most likely talk about it, it's no different than a story that we would tell of something else that happened. But oh no, when you talk about God, you understand. You're exalting Him. Like do you understand when those Israelites stood in front of that sea and the enemy was wearing down on them? And God parted that sea. The significance of that. It can't just be a, a nice little story. Like, great is our God. There's this young man that I counseled years ago. And I see him and his family now and I go, God, it's so beautiful, so 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 beautiful. Came and was having marital problems. And just things were just dry, and they were in a weary, deserted desert land. <laughs> and I said, Do y'all, as a family, have a mission statement? Like, do you all sit down? I mean, you're church-going people. You're saying you're Christians, but do you sit down and do you have family devotion, family worship? Are, are you inviting the kids in? Are, are you and your wife, are, are you allowing yourself to write to it out and to live it and to keep it in front of you? And I remember maybe a year or so later, <laughs> it comes with this plaque. That he's hung in his house and him and his wife worked on and through prayer and then the other night I saw this real and this is years this was this has been years ago of the family worship that would that, that was taking place and seeing his kids they're grown now and just worshiping and I was just like God that's so beautiful It's so beautiful those kids are being en- enriched. It's just not a story. Like, no, like this is our God. You see how great He is. Great is our God. And these are the stories, and this is how we're presenting, and this is what we're doing. They have to know Him. They have to hear of Him. How great He is. And ultimately, though, they should see it in us. And these are the treasures that are left for them. And that's the beauty of life, you all. Because this is why we're here. For him. And yet far too long we've lived on this temporal plane for us. As if tomorrow is promised. As if the next hour is promised. And it's not. It's not. Death is final. (laughs) And death is coming. But we as believers don't fear. Because we've already died. (laughs) We're born again of a new nature. Death has no power. Has no majesty. Has nothing over us. Though we will experience it, it's just passing through. Because we already have died to ourselves. So just as we're seeing here in Chronicles is just how we should be doing in our own lives. We're the continuation of God's promises in this generation. This is what we carry. This is who we are, if we're Christians. So how do we take all of this and how is it applied practically to our lives? Well, genealogies such as the ones in 1 Chronicles, may seem dry to us. But they remind us that God knows each of his children personally, even down to the number of hairs on our heads. We can take comfort in the fact that who we are and what we do is written forever in God's mind. If we belong to Christ, our names are written forever in the Lamb's book of life. God is faithful to his people and keeps his promises. In the book of 1 Chronicles, we see the fulfillment of God's promise to David when he is made king over all of Israel. We can be sure that his promises to us will be fulfilled as well. He has promised blessings to those who follow him, who come to Christ in repentance, and who obey his word. Again, obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings judgment. The book of first chronicles as well as first and second Samuel and first and second Kings is a chronicle of the pattern of sin, repentance, forgiveness, and and restoration of the nation of Israel. So in the same way, God is patient with us and forgives us our sin when we come to him in true repentance. We can take comfort in the fact that he hears our prayer of sorrow, forgives our sin, restores us to fellowship, and sets us on the path of joy. This is our God, you all. This is our God. And so I pray that as we're reading through this book and we would be encouraged and I told you last week, I'm not going to mess up all those people's names. So, Carrie, we're going to, this week, we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 18 through f- chapter 4, verse 4. So, we're going to hear the names played, but you can follow along. But we have to start because the Bible app doesn't let you start in the middle. We have to go back to verse 1 of chapter 2. So just pay attention and you say, well, what's so, what's so important of these names? Because you're going to get, well, last week we got to David, but now we're going to begin to see David's offspring. And all of this leads to Jesus, the Messiah who was promised.
4: Descendants of Judah. Judah had three sons from Bathsheba, a Canaanite woman. Their names were Ur, Onan, and Shelah. But the Lord saw that the oldest son, Ur, was a wicked man, so he killed him. Later, Judah had twin sons from Tamar, his widowed daughter-in-law. Their names were Perez and Zerah. So Judah had five sons in all. The sons of Perez were Hezron and (laughs) Hamel. The sons of Zerah were Zimri, Ethan, Heman, Calcol, and Darda, five in all. The son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, was Achan, who brought disaster on Israel by taking plunder that had been set apart for the Lord. The son of Ethan was Azariah. From Judah's grandson, Hezron, to David. The sons of Hezron were Jeremiel, Ram, and Caleb. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon, a leader of Judah. Nashon was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz. Mm-hmm. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse's first son was Eliab. His second was Abinadab. His third was Shimei. His fourth was Nethanel. His fifth was Radi. His sixth was Ozzam. And his seventh was David. Their sisters were named Zuriyah and Abigail. Zuriyah had three sons named Abishai, Joab, and Asahel. Abigail married a man named Jether and Ishmaelite, and they had a son named Amasa. Hmm. Other descendants of Hezron. Hezron's son Caleb had sons from his wife Azubah and from Jeriath. Her sons were named Jasher, Shobab, and Arden. After Azubah died, Caleb married Ephrathah, and they had a son named Hur. Hur was the father of Uri. Uri was the father of Bezalel. When Hezron was 60 years old, he married Gilead's sister, the daughter of Maker. They had a son named Segub. Segub was the father of Jair, who ruled 23 towns in the land of Gilead. But Geshur and Aram captured the towns of Jair and also took Kenith and its 60 surrounding villages. All these were descendants of Maker, the father of Gilead. Soon after Hezron died in the town of Caleb Ephrathah, his wife Abijah gave birth to a son named Asher, the father of Tekoa. Descendants of Hezron's son, Jeremiel. The sons of Jeremiel, the oldest son of Hezron, were Ram, the firstborn, Buna, Oren, Ozem, and Ahijah. Jeremiel had a second wife named Atara. She was the mother of Onam. The sons of Ram, the oldest son of Jeremiel, were Maez, Jamin, and Eker. The sons of Onam were Shimei and Jada. The sons of Shimei were Nadab and Abishur. The sons of Abishur and his wife, Abahel, were Abim and Molid. The sons of Nadab were Selid and Apaim. Selid died without children, but Apeim had a son named Ishai. The son of Ishai was Shishan. Shishan had a descendant named Ali. The sons of Jada, Shimei's brother were Jether and Jonathan. Jether died without children, but Jonathan had two sons, named Peleth and Zaza. These were all descendants of Jeremiel. Shishan had no sons, though he did have daughters. He also had an Egyptian servant named Jara. Shishan gave one of his daughters to be the wife of Jara, and they had a son named Edai. Edai was the father of Nathan. Nathan was the father of Zabat. Zabed was the father of Ethlel. Ethlel was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jehu. Jehu was the father of Azariah. Azariah was the father of Helas. Helas was the father of Elissa. Elissa was the father of Sismai. Sismai was the father of Shalom. Shelem was the father of Jechemiah. Jechemiah was the father of Elishama. Descendants of Hezron's son Caleb. The descendants of Caleb, the brother of Jeromeel, included Mesha, the firstborn, who became the father of Ziph. Caleb's descendants also included the sons of Merisha, the father of Hebron. The sons of Hebron were Korah, Tepuah, Recham, and Shema. Shema was the father of Raham. Raham was the father of Jorchium. Recham was the father of Shimei. The son of Shimei was Maon. Maon was the father of Bethzur. Caleb's concubine, Epha gave birth to Haran, Mosa, and Gazes. Haran was the father of Gazes. The sons of Jada were Regum, Jotham, Geshen, Pelet, Epha, and Shaeif. Another of Caleb's concubines, Meekah, gave birth to Sheber and Tirhana. She also gave birth to Shaeif, the father of Medmana, and Sheva, the father of Machbenah and Gibeah. Caleb also had a daughter named Axa. These were all descendants of Caleb. Descendants of Caleb's son, Hur. The sons of Hur, the oldest son of Caleb's wife, Ephrathah, were Shobal the founder of Kiriath-Jerim, Salma, the founder of Bethlehem, and Hareph the founder of beth The descendants of Shobal, the founder of Kiriath-Jerim, were Heroah, half the Manahathites, and the families of kiriath the Ithrites, Twithites, Shumathites, and Mishraites from whom came the people of Zorah and Eshtael. The descendants of Salma were the people of Bethlehem, the Natophethites, Atrobet-Joab, the other half of the Manahathites, the Zorites, and the families of scribes living at Jabez, the Tirathites, Shimeathites, and Sukathites. All these were Kenites who descended from Hamath, the father of the family of Rechab. Chapter 3 Descendants of David. Mm. These are the sons of David who were born in Hebron. The oldest was Amnon, whose mother was Ahinoam from Jezreel. The second was Daniel, whose mother was Abigail from Carmel. The third was Absalom, whose mother was Maacah the daughter of Talmai, king of Gesher. Mm-hmm. The fourth was Adonijah, whose mother was Hadith. The fifth was Shephatiah, whose mother was Abiton. The sixth was Ithream, whose mother was Eglah, David's wife. These six sons were born to David in Hebron, where he reigned seven and a half years. Then David reigned another 33 years in Jerusalem. The sons born to David in Jerusalem included Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. Their mother was Bathsheba, the daughter of Amiel. David also had nine other sons, Ebhar, Elishua, Elpalit, Noga, Nephid, Jephiah, Ilishama, Eliada, and Eliphileth. These were the sons of David, not including his sons born to his concubines. Their sister was named Tamar. Descendants of Solomon. The descendants of Solomon were Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Aaziah, Joash, Amaziah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Amon, and Josiah. The sons of Josiah were Johanan the oldest, Jehoiakim the second, Zedekiah the third, and Jehoahaz the fourth. The successors of Jehoiakim were his son Jehoiachin and his brother Zedekiah. Descendants of Jehoiachin? The sons of Jehoiachin, who was taken prisoner by the Babylonians, were Shealtiel, Melkiram, Pedaiah, Shenezer, Jechemiah, Hoshamah, and Nedabiah. The sons of Pedaiah were Zerubbabel and Shimei. The sons of Zerubbabel were Meshulam and Hananiah. Their sister was Shelamith. His five other sons were Hashubah, Ohel, Barakiah, Hezadiah, and Jushab-Hezed. The sons of Hananiah were Pelatiah and Jeshiah. Jeshiah's son was Raphaiah. Raphaiah's son was Arnan. Arnan's son was Obadiah. Obadiah's son was Shechaniah. The descendants of Shechaniah were Shemaiah and his sons, <coughs> Hatush, Eagle, Bariah, Neriah, and Shaphat, six in all. The sons of Niriah were Elioinai, Iskiah, and Ezrakam, three in all. The sons of Elioinai were Hodaviah, Eliashib, Peleah, Akob, Johanan, Delaiah, and Anani, seven in all. We're just going to verse four of chapter four. Chapter four other descendants of Judah. The descendants of Judah were Peraz, Hezron, Carmi, Pur, and Shobal. Shobal's son Rieah was the father of Jahath. Jahath was the father of Ahumai and Lahad. These were the families of the Zorathites. The descendants of Etam were Jezreel, Ishma, Edbash, their sister Hazel al the father of Gedor, and Ezer, the father of Husha. These were the descendants of her, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the ancestor of Bethlehem. These, na- these names, God placed them, inspired
0: this writer to write all these names out for a purpose. Not for us to be like, oh, but for the understanding that God knew each one. And each of them had a part in his plan for the Messiah to come through. The line of David. And so that's why I just wanted to encourage you in. As you're reading. Sometimes you can get lost in it. But there's hope in the midst of it all. That it's all leading ultimately to Jesus. Go to Acts. Chapter 24. I'm going to read the chapter. Verse 1 through 27. Paul is still on trial. Five days later. Ananias the high priest arrived. With some of the Jewish elders. And the And the lawyer. Tertullus to present their case against Paul to the governor. <clears throat> when Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against him. Paul against Paul in the following address to the governor. He begins, "You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews, and with foresight have enacted, and, and I'm sorry, have enacted reforms for us." For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you, but I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Titus said was true. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. And Paul said, Now you realize everything the man just said is a lie. So Paul said to the governor, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years. So I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. But I do admit, mm. I love this, that I follow the way, which, is, which they call a cult. Mm. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Amongst, After several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. My accusers saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony. There was no crowd around me and no rioting. But some Jews from the province of Asia were there. And they ought to be here to bring charges if they have anything against me. Ask these men here what crime the Jewish High Council found me guilty of? Except for the one time I shouted out, I am on trial before you today because <clears throat> I believe in the resurrection of the dead. At that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, Wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives. Then I would declare the case. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs a few days later felix came back with his wife drusilla who was jewish sending for paul they listened as he told them about faith in christ jesus as he reasoned with them as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment felix became frightened "Go away for now," he replied. "When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again." He also hoped that Paul would, would bribe him, so he sent him quite often, sent for him quite often and talked with him. After two years went by, or by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Porcaeus Festus, and because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. So this is where we're at. And didn't you, don't, don't you see the, the response? Like Paul was reasoning with Felix and Drusilla, per, per, per sharing of Jesus, of righteous living, but as soon as it turned to the coming judgment, it was enough to hear. He didn't want to hear anymore. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people find themselves. That's where we find ourselves in a lot of churches today, they don't talk about the coming judgment. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about hell. That's just that's just sugarcoat it. Let's make it something that it's not in order for you to feel good about yourself. But that's not the gospel, y'all. It's not the gospel. The reality is there is a judgment coming. The wrath of God is stored up. <laughs> and there's a day and a time that Jesus himself said, the Son of Man doesn't even know. Only God, the Father when that will be released. But God the Father has done all that he is going to do through his son Jesus to redeem a people for himself that are found in Christ. And that's why I shared with you last week, so the ark is just the foreshadowing of Christ. When the judgment hit the world back in Noah's day, those who were in the ark were spared as it will be in the day of judgment that's coming to the earth, those who are in Christ will be spared. Go to Psalm 4. Psalm 4, and again, I hope as we're walking through the book of Psalms again that you are encouraged to keep looking up. This is another psalm written by King David. Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent free me from my troubles have mercy on me and hear my prayer how long will people ruin my reputation how long will you make groundless how long will you make groundless accusations how long will you continue your lies you can be sure of this the lord set apart the godly for himself the lord will answer when i call to him <clears throat> don't sin by letting anger control you Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices to in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Many people say, Who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abandoned who I'm sorry, who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. And oh I pray that you grab on the verse eight. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Again, David's in a trying time. He's going through it. But one thing he knows is that God is good. Proverbs 18. Three nuggets of wisdom I'm going to throw out to you. Proverbs 18, verse 16 through 18. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. Flipping a coin can be an argument. It settles disputes between powerful opponents. Mm-hmm. There is a way in which we are to live, and it is as unto Christ. Mm-hmm. So let's go into our last song of worship. And then I'll close us in prayer.